0: So uh, I don't know how you perceive me. If it's your first time, I hope you perceive me as wonderful. If it's your second or third or 25th or 250th time, I don't know how you perceive me. Hopefully it's in a somewhat inaccurate light that believes that I am at heart and always positive <laughs> and happy and content and always satisfied person, um, which, you know, of course is... Somewhat true. Some of you know better than that, though, because you've seen me over time and you you know me well, um, and I know me well. And the truth is the more you know me, the more you would see that I struggle. I struggle against being a negative, ornery, critical punk. A lot of the time. Welcome to church. <laughs> Feeling awkward yet? <laughs> um, seriously, I, I am super good at being super negative. I, I almost consider myself, this isn't the right word, but this is how I feel about it, gifted at seeing all the problems, really, and being hyper-aware, spastically crazy ADHD-aware of the problems that need to be solved, that not only don't go away, they just pile up on top of each other. So the truth is, instead of (laughs) walking around with the goodness of God on my mind, I am generally walking around like sort of an emotionally HDHD crackhead whose brain refuses to shut down from thinking about what is wrong and what doesn't work uh, with me and with everyone else around me. I'm uh, ashamed to say um, that I let the frustrations of life weigh me down a lot they tempt me multiple 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 times a day to disengage to stop moving forward to say forget it etc 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 i find myself defaulting to seeing the world very negatively um, and i suspect i'm not alone and a lot of us struggle with this listen i want to be positive <laughs> I really do. I want to be positive and encouraging and helpful and kind and patient, and as the KJV used to say, long suffering. Uh, but I am not very good at those things. Um, I, I'm not. I really, on the inside, I want to be that. I read about this eight year old girl, this little eight year old girl who was a cancer, uh, ha- who had cancer, who even though she wanted I'm sorry. She was an eight-year-old girl who had cancer who was asked what she wanted for her birthday. And she said, listen, I don't know. I know I have two sticker books and a Cabbage Patch doll. (laughs) I've got everything I need. I want to be like that. uh, But I'm not generally Mr. Positivity on the inside. I'm generally Mr. Grumpy and frustrated on the inside. Uh, and, And though, listen, I don't suggest... I don't suggest you pin your hopes and dreams on standing justified before God because you have two sticker books and a cabbage patch doll. This girl was on to something. Which is to say it's it's really quite simple in a lot of ways. When we recognize that we have life and breath and everything we could ever need from our Heavenly Father and we depend on Him for the things that we truly need, then we realize we have everything we truly need. Right? Like it's that simple. When we live from the truth that God's given us everything we need, and we live like we actually depend on him for those things, then we think, huh, I've got everything we truly need. I've got everything I could ever need. When that's the case for us, then we can actually go through life understanding it really is going to be okay. It really actually, in the long run, eternally, with everything accounted for and everything you've done wrong and everything that doesn't work and all of the ways that life is frustrating and all the ways your, your, your work is, is doomed by this curse of a broken world, actually, actually, if God is God, it actually is going to all be okay. When you live with a sense of thankfulness that recognizes that you have everything you could ever need. Now, friends, this is tough for us as believers because the evil one would like nothing more than to see you thankless and ungrateful and selfish and grumpy and angry. Because those negative attitudes they call into question God's goodness. And so we begin to take on this this, this questioning whether, whether He loves us, whether He's good, whether He deserves our gratitude. Uh, so be forewarned. When we find ourselves defaulting to negative, it can be a sign to us that we have at some point stopped believing in God's grace. In the passage we're studying today, um, the Thessalonian Christians were in danger of becoming default to negative uh, because they were face to face with daily discouragement, just like we are. Now, their discouragement sounds and feels a little relevant to us as as soon as I say it to you. Um, But you'll see the two things that they were dealing with were actually very serious and difficult discouragements for them from day to day. You see there are two things going on for them here. They thought they thought that since Jesus promised that he was going to return that he was going to return and live with them forever in heaven, that Jesus was going to return to them immediately, like in their lifetimes and so many of those first believers in Thessalonica they began to, to quit their jobs and they, they stopped working and they started giving all their things away because they thought Jesus is returning. Let's get ready. I'm done working. Let's bring on heaven, right? Like that's how they felt about it because they thought Jesus was coming back right then. And when he didn't, and days turned into months, turned into years, they felt a little hoodwinked, like, like they'd swallowed the snake oil and they, they believed a lie. So they were seriously discouraged. I mean, you can imagine for them, They'd left everything to follow Jesus. And he wasn't coming back in, 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 the, in the timing that they thought. So, so they were discouraged. Uh, secondly, they thought that since Jesus had resurrected from the dead, they thought um, that all their dying friends and relatives who were believers would likewise die and raise from the dead. Like, like in three days like this funeral was just a temporary goodbye, which it is, uh, but the timing's a little different, right? They thought in three days, they're coming back. And when they didn't come back, and they didn't return immediately, and these days turned into months, turned into years, they were discouraged. They were discouraged. So Paul was writing to people who... Like us, understand this daily grind, the emotional paper cuts over time of of the world not working right, piled on top of one another in a way that tempts us to disengage from the idea that God is real and he loves us. So he's writing to encourage them to stick with it and to hang in there uh, despite the weight. And he says, you do that by being thankful. You do that by going back to grace. Because thankfulness is at the heart of what keeps us encouraged, and faithfulness uh, is, uh, thankfulness is, is a part of how we remain faithful uh, while we wait, no matter the circumstance. And here's a cool thing he emphasizes here that we'll see in this text. He, he emphasizes something in specific about thankfulness that is helpful for us. Thankfulness is learned, and it's reinforced within a community of thankful believers. Thankfulness is learned. And it's reinforced within a community of thankful believers. We can actually learn from others a lens of thankfulness. Look at what he says here. 1 Thessalonians 5. Jump in at verse 12. He says, we ask you, brothers. uh, By the way, ask here is way too soft. Uh, The sense of that word is to beg and to plead. Uh, One of the rare times where I don't really like the version I'm using here. Um, It's we plead, we're begging, we're begging you believers, he says, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. He's talking here specifically about church leaders and elders uh, who admonish, that's a fancy word for correct. And he says, esteem them very highly in love because of their Now, listen, Paul says, it is a rather thankless duty to be an elder and overseer of a congregation who's charged with leading and correcting the flock. So give proper respect and be thankful, he says, for those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish or correct you. And it says to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Now, quick little aside here, friends. Been in local church ministry for almost twenty five years now, and I promise you, faithful elders deserve to be esteemed very highly because of their work. Let me ask you when's the last time you you thanked an elder as opposed to found a reason to default to complaining to one? Hebrews thirteen, seventeen says is a sobering verse most of us Christians need to hear to some extent. It says obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. Hebrews 13, 1 Thessalonians 5 are telling us that when we are not thankful to those who are over us, it hurts us it deprives us and our community from experiencing the grace of god and learning this lens of thankfulness you think you think being an elder is easy ask an elder's family here's the thing you help you when you approach others into which there is this relationship of submission to authority by thanking them. It's just, it's just true in life. It's not just here. It's just true in life. So he applies this core idea of thankfulness, which is a trajectory of grace-based thinking. Right? Put that in your head. Grace-based thinking. He applies this core idea of thankfulness, which is grace-based thinking, not just with our overseers in the Lord, those who are charged with leading the congregation, but keep reading. He applies it to all of us because it's how we learn this lens of thankfulness. He says this, verse 13. He says, be at peace among yourselves, meaning be at harmony with one another, which is to say, don't let thanklessness get in the way of your relationships with others. Like, you see that, right? Like, I know that when I'm thankless about what I have in the relationships with people around me, I let self-righteousness thinking get in the way instead of grace-based thinking and mercy-filled assumptions. And and when 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 I let thanklessness be the lens that I use for my relationships, I'm not at harmony with those people. I'm aligned them in my hearts. I'm aligned them in my heart. That's what we do when thanklessness is the lens we use in our relationships. You see, this is a trajectory of the heart that's either grace based, that comes from God, and recognizes what we have in Jesus, or it's me based, it's self righteousness based. That's the difference between the people who are thankless and thankful. The presence of gratitude or the lack of it is what shows and demonstrates whether we understand we need Jesus. That's what we said last week. So this is important because, as Paul sort of takes a turn in the text here, this is important for us. Because life is hard, things don't work right. Like you might not have quit your job because you thought Jesus was coming back immediately. (laughs) like the Thessalonians, or you might not be thinking, hey, my friend who died is going to r- raise in three days. But but you've got these disappointments and, and feelings of failure and these frustrations in life that you carry around because sin is real and it affects everything. Life here on earth isn't yet the reality of perfect heaven. And what gets us... <laughs> What gets us from day to day in the meantime can be thankfulness and gratitude for what God's already done for us in Jesus. That's what makes us patient. That's what allows grace to operate in our relationships. It's whether we understand that what we have in Jesus comes from him as a gift. It comes from God as a gift and not as something we could possibly earn. That's the difference between those who are thankful and thankless. And so Paul applies this to all these relationships within the body here. He says, be at peace among yourselves. And then he says this, verse 14, we urge you, uh, brothers, sisters, those in the family, this is family language, we urge you, and he says, to admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak. Then he says, be patient with them all. So he's saying, give one another correction if needed. Uh, an encouraging word and a hand uh, that helps, but be patient. <laughs> be patient with all of those, with all of those who need these things. So be patient with the idle, who refuse to work. That's the kind of meaning of that that word there. I mean, I watch our Facebook posts. I feel this way too. I don't want to be. <laughs> I don't want to help those who don't want to work for themselves. There's something they're not getting that they need help understanding. So, where are they going to get that? We urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint hearted. I don't know about you, but a lot of times I see things in people's lives and I go, Stop being so weak! And then, as soon as I say that, I think, Dear Lord, please help me because I am so weak. I am faint hearted. Often from day to day. And I know that when somebody encourages me, I go, man, thank you. I can go on a little further because of you. Now, I want to be that for others. I'm not always that way. I default to being like, stop being so weak. How does someone learn to go from weakness to strength without the help of somebody else? Well, I did it myself. Did you? Did you really? Did you really? Or is that actually truly rooted in a self-righteousness that refuses to give credit to God where it's due? You didn't do anything by yourself. Somebody along the way encouraged you you when you were faint-hearted and helped the weak when you were weak. How does somebody go from faint-hearted or weak or idle to working hard, to being strong-hearted and courageous, and being strong and mature in the faith. How does somebody go from weakness to strength? With the support of people around them who see that the source of the grace of God is what makes people who who they can be. You own that for yourself and you give it away to others. That's what thankful people do. Thankless people make a habit of manipulating it all for self. Thankful people understand it's the grace of God that motivates me to work hard, that makes me courageous when I'm fearful, that makes me strong when I'm tempted to be weak. It's the grace of God that that gets us there. We've all needed correction, encouragement, or strength from others at some point. So a thankful person who understands the grace of God Gives it to others. That's just what people who look like Jesus do. It's how thanksgivers act. They act patiently with all of those. They act patiently with all of those listed who are idle and faint hearted and weak. Just like Jesus did. When he looks at the sum of our life and goes, Man, that was that was a good effort, but you know what? That's enough sin to be condemned before me right there. So thankful people act with others like God has acted to us. Keep reading verse 15. He says, See that no one repays anyone evil for evil. You think we've been radical so far? Read this. This is just based off the words of Jesus. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. In keeping with Jesus' words to love your enemies, he says a number of things like that. That's encapsulated in that phrase, love your enemies. In keeping with that ethic that Jesus teaches, which is radical beyond what most of us have ever experienced except from God. We don't get it well from people, but we want to be people who do that well. In keeping with Jesus' words to love your enemies, Paul reminds us, That we live with this new and this radical ethic of grace-based love for others that comes from God's heart to save despite sin. That is radical. And so he says in verse 15, Instead of going through life demanding rights and justice for ourselves, we give them up freely by seeking to do good to one another. If you want to be a witness for people, live this if you want people to see the spirit of God in you live this radical love your enemies ethic According to Paul here, it's a mark of the faithful and the thankful Christian who understands what they have in Jesus and who gives praise where it's due. It's a mark of the thankful Christian who understands what they have in Jesus, that they stop demanding rights for self and justice for self all the time in order to seek the good of another. That's laying down one's life for one's friends like Jesus did for us. This is at the heart of the gospel, friends, and it is radically the opposite of a thanklessness that characterizes the world's need to demand for self and to constantly constantly manipulate for me. I mean I get that that's hard. But Paul says a thankful heart gives like God. Uh, a thankful heart gives grace, extends mercy, and seeks the good of others. So, Simple instructions, three of them here. Verse 16. So rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. He says rejoice always um, because you know that Jesus is your perfect and sinless life that counts to save when yours counted to condemn. Right? So like that by itself, who we What we have in Jesus and and what He's lived for us is by itself enough reason to rejoice always. He says rejoice always, pray without ceasing, meaning to stay focused on God's gifts by maintaining an ongoing conversation with Him. If you struggle with this negativity, this default to negativity like I do, uh, prayer and an ongoing communication with God, pretty good way to correct our hearts and minds. Pray without ceasing. And then give thanks in all circumstances, uh, meaning not just when it's easy, not, not just when it's easy to call everything a blessing uh, in our lives, uh, not just when it's uh, time for laughter. But he says, uh, it's going to be hard, so suffer through it uh, with thanksgiving in all circumstances. And he says, for this, <laughs> for this, for rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances, this, is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. God's will is not some unknown secret blueprint for your life. God's will for you in Jesus, Paul says, is that you will be a person of joy and prayer and thanksgiving. This is God's desire for us. (laughs) That in the here and now, We understand what grace is and what we have in Jesus. And this is a learned and a reinforced posture. It's like we said when we jumped into the text here. Thankfulness is a learned and a reinforced posture that is learned and reinforced within a community of people who are thankful believers. Um, everything in this passage, if you look at it carefully, everything in this entire passage is addressed to a body of believers because Paul knows that we learn the lens of thankfulness from others and we have a responsibility to reinforce this gratitude to God by speaking and behaving and acting in our relationships with one another from a place that deeply loves and understands the fundamental truth. That in Jesus, God's goodness was extended to us. So, how do we make this practical? Uh, I want to tell you about um, a psychologist whose name is Sean Acor. He teaches at Harvard. um, And he tells about a study that was done about this uh, idea of, of thankfulness. And and how it becomes a habit for us. Um, So he suggests that we can train our, our, our brains to be more grateful with a simple exercise of setting aside just a few minutes a day for practicing gratitude. Uh, There's a study in which people were asked to take just a few minutes a day at the same time every day for just one week, for just seven days, to write down three things for which they were grateful to God. Could be three to five minutes, didn't have to be a big deal. Uh, The only thing was that it had to be a concrete and a specific thing for which the participants were grateful. Uh, things like I'm thankful for the delicious orange juice I had this morning at breakfast, Uh, things like I'm grateful, I'm thankful that my daughter works hard as if her life's work matters, Uh, things like I'm thankful that my 13-year-old son is still cool with me giving him a hug, things like that. The participants just for a few minutes a day, a specific and a concrete example uh, of something for which they were grateful and thankful and to write it down. At the end of this study, and the participants only did this for one week, at the end of the study, the researchers followed up in a number of ways and a number of times, they found that those who practiced this habit of just three things per day, concrete and specific, same time per day, wrote it down, were happier and less depressed at the end. After three months, the participants who had been a part of that were still more joyful and content. After six months, those who practiced this for one week were empirically more content happier, more grateful, less depressed. The researchers of the study hypothesized that the simple practice of writing down three thanksgivings a day over the course of a week, here's the important part, primed the participants' minds to search for the good in their own lives. That was the fundamental difference. Their lens was thankfulness. What that study is saying is that the simple practice of a few minutes to focus on finding a few things in our lives for which we are thankful primes our minds to see the presence of God in our lives. Do you think <laughs> that maybe do you think that maybe the simple practice of a few minutes of some concrete and specific things that we focus on would prime our minds and our hearts to see more of the goodness of God that already exists? Of course. It's suggesting that thankfulness primes our minds to see God's goodness. Paul was writing here saying, give thanks in all circumstances. Even when it's hard. Even when there's hurt. Even when you're angry. Even when you are justified in all of those ways. None of that lessens the truth of who God is and what He has done for us in Jesus. Because we still have forever relationships. We still have a God who loves us. We have a God who, when we were in rebellion against him, reached down and took us out of the pit, as the Old Testament says in a few places. If our hearts and our minds were primed to search for the good in our lives, the things that come from God, do you think maybe we would have a a closer sense of his presence In our lives? Do you think maybe we'd know more of the grace of God in our lives? Do you think that maybe those around us would be able to see and look at us and see those things too? Here's what I know about many of us, myself uh, most definitely included. We're often too, too angry to be thankful, too focused on having been hurt to communicate gratitude. I get it. Those are real. But the reasons why people need to be thanked no less real than the hurt you experience. Like logically, factually, empirically. The hurt and the suffering and the pain, uh, perhaps even abuse, we've experienced in life is what it is and doesn't mean the reasons to be grateful and thankful and kind are any less. That's what we call a false dilemma in philosophy. So it's just a matter of of where we're turning our heads, what our lens is. The takeaway this morning is simple. It's just, it's easy. (laughs) It's really easy. Just write down my three things on a piece of paper and spend some time each day learning and reinforcing for yourself the truth that God is good, that He cares for you, that He has provided everything you could ever need and that despite the things here and now that are frustrating, that are difficult, that are painful, that make us angry, despite all of those sufferings that are real, He is still good. He still loves you. He has still provided everything you could ever need. Let's pray, friends. Lord, we uh, we come to you as beggars. Asking that you would continue to provide for us through your spirit that makes us new, through the encouragement of others around us. Uh, a vision for our lives that comports to reality and that doesn't conceive... Of things as merely one way, but that lives from and holds precious and believes in the truth that you're a God that is good and who loves us and is for us. Teach us, Lord, uh, to be more aware of your presence in our lives so that others around us would be more aware of your presence in our lives. We ask this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. So friends, in just a moment, we're going to spend some time uh, recognizing the truth of the gospel, um, that we have everything we could ever need in Jesus.